Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. The solar panels work in winter. Solar energy output in Australia throughout winter is surprisingly high in some cities. You can learn more about better solar energy at B-Solar. Visit b.solar to learn more. GLG Greenlife Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. Welcome to the First Serve, your home of tennis. Good evening, everybody. Welcome along. A Monday night. It is the 16th of May. We're a week out from Roland Garros. Always great to talk uh, the world of tennis with you. You can do it with me right throughout the night. one 736 736. Put that in your phone. 0433981116. All good uh, thanks to our good friends at Tennis Direct, Australia's favourite online tennis store. Fast delivery, magnificent prices. Free delivery on orders over $150. So you can shop while you're listening tonight. TennisDirect.com.au. You'll get that nice little 10% discount store wide using the promo code FIRSTSERVE10. So coming up on the B Solar menu tonight, the wash up of the last week on tour. Our continued UTR discussion, which really is a never-ending story. A truckload into the mailbag this week. And we'll go inside the National Tennis Centre here in Melbourne. Your calls, as I mentioned, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 A week away from the second major of the year, the French Open. Are we calling it right here and now? It's the sixth title. For Djokovic in Rome, a 38th Masters Trophy. But maybe, more importantly for Novak, it sends a message to his rivals ahead of Paris. Djokovic is back. And here's the champion in Italy once more this week without dropping a set. She's been too good, too often. It's almost too much to comprehend, but it's another Sunday triumph for the sensational Iga Swiatek. Her 28th consecutive victory yields her first ever title defense as she wins the WTA 1000 events in Rome. Bring her in, Rick. <laughs> Rex, I had to include Rex tonight. Are we calling it now? I think the fat lady is almost up. It certainly is in the case of Iga Sviantek. I think we just hand her the second French Open trophy right now. 28-game winning streak. Five titles in a row. Ash Barty departs. In comes Iga. World number one. She's done nothing wrong since. Is there a more watchable player in the game right now than Iga Sviantek? What an absolute beauty. Won the French Open as a 19-year-old. And I think there's some distance now between her and the rest of the women's field. And there's the glint in the eye, no doubt, of Novak Djokovic, that he is back. He's got some matches under his belt the last few weeks. So right now you'd have to say he and Carlos Alcaraz maybe deserve dual billing. Alcaraz has still got to prove himself at five-set tennis over seven matches across a fortnight. There's just the intrigue of Rafa who's owned Roland Garros, looking for a 14th French Open. 
but he's not quite cherry ripe. Nadal, he hasn't had the same sort of build up on the clay, but you'll never ever discount the greatest warrior to play the sport. On a roll tonight, thanks to AATC, Australasian Academy of Tennis Coaches, providing quality coach education right across the globe. Courses delivered by industry leaders and tennis business owners. Learn locally, coach globally, internationally endorsed, so you can go and inquire and enrol at aatc.tennis. So record attendance. How good was the Italian Open over the last week? That has to become one of my stops when I go and travel and cover a bit of tennis again. Uh, The Foro Adalico. What a crowd. 230,277 paying spectators this year. The Italians, well, I mean, they're full of life as always. <laughs> they love life. They love food. They love sport. They're just passionate. And those outside courts, the uh, the uh, atmosphere was absolutely incredible. So 38th Masters 1000 title for Djokovic. His sixth title in Rome. He broke to love in the opening game, and that first set went pretty quickly. Pass led 4-1. He led... 5-2 at one stage. Here comes Harry in just a tick, H. one 736 736 I knew he'd call. He led 5-2 and then Djokovic, of course, came back to win the second set tiebreaker. For Pass, I mean, he's not far away. Is he? He's going to be right there when the whips are cracking towards the business end of the French. Wins Monte Carlo, quarterfinal Barcelona, semi-final Madrid, final in Rome. So no doubt on the clay court, he is a tough customer to deal with. I want to mention Alex Dimonor. We have to mention the Demon every week. So he wins a couple of matches, beats Lovic, and also Tommy Paul goes up against Alexander Zverev. So it's another opportunity to go up against one of the better players in the game. First set sort of got away. Second set he dug in, gets it to a tiebreaker, couldn't quite get it to a third. So uh, it's frustrating, isn't it, for Alex? But he's just got to bide his time. I mean, here he is, 21 in the world. He's not doing a hell of a lot wrong. I mean, certainly anyone who knows a bit about tennis will say, yes, the serve needs to be much better than what it is. How's he going to generate a bit more power? How's he going to make life just a little bit easier out on the tennis court? There's no doubt he has taken his game, I think, to another level uh, this year, but it's got to go to another level, another level beyond that if he's actually going to take on these big guys and win. But uh, he gets another opportunity, of course, at Roland Garros, and, and hopefully uh, a reasonably kind draw. But this has been his best period, uh, certainly on a clay court. He's 19-10 and 10 for the year. Harry in Belmore. Hey, Choice, great to have you on the show. Uh, it's the Wimbledon final, Stan Smith and John Newcomb. Stan Smith's leading him two sets to one in the final. Mm-hmm. When John starts questioning the calls, he's arguing with the umpire. All the time, and Stan says that's enough and starts to walk off the court. The umpire brings him back, and John's still arguing with the umpire. Stan starts to miss shots, and Newcomb's on top and wins Wimbledon. Uh, John done the same to Connors in the Australian Open. Mm -hmm. Uh, Connors was leading him, and John again started questioning the calls and all. At the last shot, John hit a winner and won the match. Jimmy stood on the service line, not on the baseline, and wouldn't come to the net to shake John's hand. John jumped the net and went and put his arms around Jimmy. Jimmy wouldn't shake hands. Jimmy, after that, his form suffered. When he played Pat Cash in the semi-final of Wimbledon, yes. he was only a shadow of himself. Yeah. 
That's a bit what. of history. I'll tell you what, your recall as always is magnificent, H. Always great to have you on the show. You know you have a free line to call us every single week. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. While we're caught in the present, Harry just takes us back, back down memory lane. Now, I mentioned Igor Sviontek. Um, boy, oh boy. The thing she's doing it on a tennis court are just extraordinary right now. Fifth straight tournament win, 28th straight win. Takes on Ons Jabeur. Right now, Ons is probably the other most watchable player in the game. Uh, wins her first 1,000, of course, in Madrid a week earlier. Uh, she plays every shot in the book. She's got beautiful court craft. And maybe she might have her big moment in the sun uh, this year at some stage. Ons Jabeur must watch. But Igor Sviontek, I mean, just domination, isn't it? You know, you look at look at the scoreline. Buying the first round, six three six love, six four six one, seven six six love, six two six one in the semi, six two six two in the final. It is pure dominance from Iga Sviontek, absolutely deserving her billing as the world number one on the women's side. The the most successful doubles pairing last year. They won nine titles on tour. Finished the year as the uh, number one team. Uh, Nikola Mektic and Mate Pavic, the third seeds, who were defending their Rome crown. So they'd had a little bit of a drought on the back of a great year last year. Hadn't won a title so far this year, but they're fourth at Masters 1000 level. And how good was it to see John Isner and Diego Schwartzman playing together? Uh, The tall and the small. I think Diego, in his singles match last week, there was a 47-shot rally. And if one man can stand a 47-shot rally, it's Diego Schwartzman. He is the roadrunner who can just go all day. But great to see John and Diego. Let's hope they play a little bit more uh, doubles uh, together, Pavlia Chenkova, Kudamatova won uh, the doubles on the women's side. Uh, a couple of one-two-fives being played in the lead-up uh, to Roland Garros uh, quali. So Claire Liu, young American, if you're listening to one of our podcasts, of course, crunching the numbers, uh, co-host Chris Tonts is the coach of Claire Liu, promising young American. She's back inside the top 100. She won the one-two-five, so the biggest title of her career. She actually saved all 13, all 13 break points uh, that she faced, and she was the 2016 uh, Wimbledon Junior Champion. So she's won seven titles. For an American, you would think more of those might be on a hard court, but six of them have actually come on clay. So she's in good form uh, right now. Uh, Mladenovic and Hadad Meyer won the doubles in that particular event. Another good story uh, inside the top 100, because it'd be fair to say Egypt haven't got a strong representation in tennis. But uh, Maya Sharif, who was the number two seed, so she won this tournament back-to-back uh, being played in Germany. I think the next, the next best-ranked players are 412 in the world from Egypt, and uh, here she is as a top 50 player. Uh, nine players overall ranked uh, from that country. So up 12 spots to 50. Uh, she's won three of the WTA 125s in the past uh, 12 months. So very, very nice performance there. On the Challenger circuit, no doubt the, um, the big story, certainly from an Australian perspective, is the return to form in the last week of Alexi Popperin. We know he's had a horror year uh, from the standards he'd been setting uh, the last uh, couple of years, getting to 59 in the world. He had Craig O'Shaughnessy for a period. They parted company a few weeks ago. It's been a little bit too much chopping and changing with coaches, I reckon, for Alexi, who obviously has had... A lot of support from the Moritoglu Academy, and he's been based there. Just lost his way this year, but watched a lot of his matches on the stream in the past week. So good to see Alexi back in form. He won the French Open boys uh, going back a few years ago. He's on the cusp of the top 100 again. We know he's certainly got the capabilities to be a permanent top 100 player, but sometimes you've got to go a couple of steps back to go three steps forward, and that's the evolution of Alexi Popperin, who, as we know, with Alex Dimonor, 
is the two players are actually hanging our hats on to maybe have a little bit of success and they've got age on their side. Daniel Otmai, the German, he took out uh, the ATP challenger in that neck of the woods. Facundo Diaz Acosta from Argentina, he jumped up 81 spots at 235. He won uh, the tournament there in Colombia. Emilio Nava, the American, he jumped up 97 spots at 261. He won the tournament in Kazakhstan. And you always love a good quality story from Austria, Philip uh, Mislovic, who jumped up 76 spots at 225. So actually beat the Aussie Jason Kubler in the semis. I mean, Kubs has had a pretty good period. In fact, I think he's just about to jump out on court at Roland Garros for his first uh, qualifying match tonight. He's 19 and 8 uh, this year, but 16 and 4 on the clay. So fingers crossed that serves Jason Kubler pretty well, having made the semis in Zagreb and now hopeful of actually qualifying for the French Open. Lee 2. We need to play a little bit of Lee 2. Now, just close your eyes for a moment because the ITF don't stream a lot of their matches. But this is an incredible story, what he is doing. And he got everything out of himself. 6-7, to win in Tunisia. Just a touch excited, uh, Lee, too. But this is what you've got to do. You've got to grind. You've got to go to the back blocks of tournaments where there's a handful of spectators. You've got to generate your own energy. And Darren Cale actually commented on our uh, social media account. If I can actually find the little uh, quote here from Darren on our Twitter. An amazing couple of years from a ranking of zero to inside the top 350. Also considering the COVID years made it difficult to find events to uh, actually play. Planning, practice, persistence and patience equals performance. This is you, Lee. Keep it going. And uh, it's just a great story. So right now he's about 337. He's 30-8. Win-loss this year. Think about the last three years. UTRs, ITFs. He had that one Grand Slam match against Lopez at the Australian Open He's 137 wins and 21 losses. So the guy knows how to win. He's actually going to step up and play a challenger. So this is the next step for Lee 2 to see if his game actually stacks up at a higher level. But he's on our watch list as uh, someone who's doing some very, very good things. Uh, we had some good Aussie double success. Aaron Addison, Andrew Harris, Akira Sandaland, all winning titles across the weekend. We had a few runners up as well. The two Taylor boys are an interesting little uh, story. They actually played a few years ago, had a break, have come back. Uh, Adam Taylor and Jason Taylor, who played the Locke brothers uh, from uh, Zimbabwe here, are a good story themselves. So they were pipped 8-10 in the match tiebreak, but a good story. Omar Jaseka, Kim Birrell, a couple of uh, runner-ups. So that is all the action going on on the tour. one 736 736 98 11 16 on the text. I think we're going to go to Damien in uh, Karam Downs, who's going to uh, give us a call. G'day, Damien. How are you doing? G'day, BP. How are you? Very good. What do you got for us? Good. I was uh, home with COVID last week, back to work today. But all last week, I was watching a lot of the old tennis highlights. And um, it was nice to see Novak Djokovic got number one ranking after winning the Italian Open. What are your thoughts on that, BP? So, so just say that again, about Novak? Novak, number one tennis player, um, after winning the Italian Open the other day. Did you see that? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, you know, he, he really is. I mean, even, even when he was out of the game, we probably still thought of him as uh, the world number one. So obviously with Medvedev off the tour, that's allowed Novak to go back. I think Medvedev's back in Geneva uh, this week. So the first time we've seen him 
for a number of weeks with a, a rare injury. He's been so durable, uh, Daniil. We know that Clay hasn't been overly kind to him, but I think he'll play probably Wednesday night. Our time gets the bye in the first round there in Geneva. Uh, but I think, you know, regardless of ranking, and because he hasn't had the continuity this year, Djokovic, we still probably think of him as the world number one, don't we? So right now, to me, he is still the best player in the world. He's going to take some beating. And he's just getting his mojo. He's getting the wheels. He's played some matches now. He played some matches in Belgrade. Played some matches in Madrid. Goes on to win Rome. So I think he's building very, very nicely. Thank you, Damien. Uh, always appreciate your call. Uh, we're here thanks to Hume Tennis and Community Centre. It's a mini Melbourne park in Melbourne's north. It's got tennis for everyone. So it's perfect also for coaches and players. If you're coming from interstate to train and compete, close to Melbourne Airport, accommodation available. Find out more at humetennis.com.au. We'll take a break. More of the first serve to come. Better batteries, better energy. With V-Solar, you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a V-Solar advisor. Visit v.solar to learn more. GLG Greenlight Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The First Serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back to The First Serve. Always happy to take your calls on a Monday night. The floor is yours. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Quite a few coming through on the Tennis Direct text. 0433 Old Mate H, what a legend. How are you going, Brett? I'm going very well, thank you. Give us uh, your call on the French Open. Elvis on the text. How about that? I won't go into song. Don't you worry about that. I feel like, though, when I see the name Elvis on the screen, uh, the French right now. Well, as I mentioned, Igor Fiontek, I think she's going to take some beating. Uh, she is in a magnificent groove, but you can have one bad day at the office and it can go pear-shaped, but I think her level is above anyone. And right now, you've got to say, Novak's building into some exceptional form. Alcaraz has been the player of the year. So, once again, Grand Slam, can he step up after you know, such impressive performances at Masters 1000 level? And Raf has always got to be in the conversation even though he's probably in a world of hurt and the body's uh, geez, hanging by a thread at the moment for uh, Nadal, but he's always got to be in the conversation. And then, well, it's a it's a pack of players, isn't it? I mean, Sissi Pass has certainly got to be in the frame to be there in the second um, week of uh, Roland Garros. His clay court form has been uh, very, very good. So, you know, that, that's probably the early look without uh, going into uh, a heap of detail at this stage. Just on uh, Roland Garros uh, qualifying, Alex Vukic, uh, from an Australian perspective, has uh, got through his first round qualifying match uh, tonight, seven five six four. Unfortunately, Storm Sanders has gone down six four six four. So we've got Roddy Nova, Kubler, Fulis, Hon, Gadecki, uh, Inglis all playing uh, tonight. Mendes, uh, there's plenty. Max Purcell also uh, playing. So all those scores will be across our social media and our website as well. So keep an eye on that. Thefirstserve.com.au and all our socials. John Millman's playing in Geneva tonight. Uh, Astra Sharma's playing in Morocco. Uh, Ola Tomjanovic had a, a win last night. So there are plenty of Aussies certainly going around. Uh, Brett, what gives with uh, Tomo's tanking, I don't know if it was quite tanking, uh, to the world number 858? Is he carrying an injury or should he just quit? He's horrible. Barty would still be cleaning up Sviantec. Shows the void between Ash and the rest. But I suspect Sviantec has taken stock where there was little hope. Congratulations to Lee to another 20 rankings points, 3.15, closing on inside the top 300. Cheers, Bondi Jack. Good on you, Bondi Jack. Thank you uh, thank you for your call. Interesting, because when you just looked at it on paper last week, if you weren't probably doing 
your research and looked at Jordan Thompson in the first round of Zagreb and he goes down to a qualifier uh, from China, Yibing Wu. Now, he'd actually had a bit of time out of the game. He was actually a star junior and he had, well, from what people have told me, some parents who were just out of control, absolutely out of control, wouldn't work with coaches. He went through a heap of coaches, lost a bit of love for the game. And so that, that ranking didn't quite tell his talent. Uh, so he's working his way back, but technically came in as the world number 858. But I did watch the stream of that match, and he certainly didn't play like the world number 858. Uh, that is for sure. Always great to have Melbourne's leading synthetic grass court surface and construction specialist, Asti Tennis Courts, on board with us, trusted by Melbourne tennis clubs and councils. Check out aste.com.au. Alex says on the text, Brett, I'm not really into tennis since Ash Barty retired. I wonder how many of you have had a bit of Barty letdown. And I think we're still sort of getting used to that. I mean, it's been, a, it's been an extraordinary month when you think of people that we've just lost in life. You know, Shane Warne, the tragedy of Andrew Simons, if I just defer to cricket for a moment. I mean, we haven't lost Ash Barty, thank God, but, you know, it almost feels like when you follow tennis and you're so passionate about it, and she was the world number one, which has been unfamiliar territory for our Australian women for such a long time, and to see her depart the sport, and she had every right to, and all we hope is that she's just happy, enjoying life, and I'm sure she will. She's got great perspective, Ash, and she's got... So many other things that she wanted to do, but it has left a vol- it has left a real void, hasn't it? But if you're just looking outside the Aussies, and right now, yes, it's uh, it's lean pickings. It's tough at the moment. I mean, Alex Demonor's our hope on the men's side. There's not uh, a lot there if we're if we're measuring it by Grand Slam victories. There's not a lot there as far as the women are concerned. It's going to take some time, and Alex might only have half a window. There's no guarantees there. He might not even get a window in the tough world of uh, competitive men's tennis. So. But if you look outside of that, gee, the next generation's pretty good. There's some damn good tennis being played. And I keep mentioning the name Elkaraz, Sviontek on the women's side. We can go on and on and on. So if you just love the sport, there's more heroes, more champions coming, certainly beyond Ash Barty, beyond uh, Rogers' eventual farewell from the sport, beyond the Dale, beyond Djokovic. So Alex, just uh, just hang in there, mate. You'll, you'll get the love of tennis, I'm sure. Uh, once again, uh, UTR was a passionate discussion on the show last week. We had Lawrence Robinson uh, in, of course, Director of Pathways and Game Development at Tennis Australia. There's been a lot of feedback on our social media accounts. And if I was to bring every bit of that correspondence in, we need two hours to read it out. But what I want to tell those people out there who are really passionate about the UTR space is that I'm going to handball that feedback on to Tennis Australia. No doubt TA are talking to everyone now as they continue to review UTR. There were some questions that we didn't get to last week on the show that I forwarded on to Lawrence, who's come back with a written response tonight. But I did want to read this out from an anonymous uh, person who didn't want to be named, but he's a parent. And we've had a lot of feedback from parents. Uh, Brett, I prefer to remain anonymous here while I say the following. I feel the numbers at Albury Easter were right down this year as opposed to other years, and I feel there are less tournaments for performance players in New South Wales than any other state. I noticed many things were not addressed in the interview with Lawrence. I believe it is very important to address how players, kids feel about UTR and the impact it has on their mental game due to the changes. Tournaments are not tournaments anymore. Kids just think of it as match play and that is all. For example, at a recent tournament, a young man in the 18s reached the final, which had to be played the next day, but simply withdrew to go play another tournament 
that was starting on the same day as his final because that player would be playing players with a UTR higher than his opponent in the final. In the meantime, his opponent for the final had flown interstate to play that tournament. In addition to withdrawals, please go and have a look at the Roach Series tournament in Sydney and check the amount of withdrawals in Tier 1, especially after players were no longer in the main draw. My son has had a number of withdrawals pre-match and during matches because the kids were scared of their UTR dropping. If a player is in form, you simply get a withdrawal. If you are winning, you get a withdrawal. How are you supposed to get your UTR up? How it is? How is it rewarding for a kid to win a tournament and see his UTR go down? Kids want to feel good after a win, not the opposite, and not live in fear because they didn't win by enough. We live in an age where kids have access to the internet. Try telling them to not check their rating every morning when they wake up because I hear about all that. I hear about that all the time. I know a lot of kids stress about it, and I encourage them not to. But it is always on their mind. This system is open to manipulation, from withdrawals to match fixing to not entering matches uh, into the system to matches with no officials to players not actually playing the match and putting results in to strategically protect their UTR. I feel like I've seen it all, and if nothing is done ASAP, ASAP, it'll go down much more, uh, it'll get much more out of hand than what it actually is. With UTR, parents and players feel so much pressure to protect their rating because that is what gets them into national development squads, different tiers and seedings at tournaments, and especially the Nationals. Also, I feel there is no pathway for players 15 years and up. There has been one or two tournaments since January worth playing in the 16s for many of the 15s and the 16s boys in New South Wales. This is because you have 12s and 14s entering the 16s age group. As a result, the 15s and 16s are forced to play in Opens. This is not always a good thing, as they are more than more often than not playing without any pressure, as they are not expected to win in many cases. Players do need to be able to play under pressure, as tennis is such a mental game. UTR is great for club land, and maybe if you want to get into college tennis, but nothing else. Even if you want to go to college, the same level college players are one UTR point higher in the USA. UTR was tried and tested in the States and it failed. So why on earth did we introduce it here? Anyway, love your show. Please keep up the discussion on UTR. You never know, we may be able to generate some changes for the good. So that is someone who's pretty passionate. And I always say, I don't work inside the four walls of Tennis Australia. I'm not at the coalface like a lot of you out there as players, coaches, administrators, parents who are seeing this on a day-to-day basis. Now, there are a lot of questions that weren't answered on the show. We simply ran out of time last week. We may run out of time tonight. We're always against the clock. But here's a couple. So one of the questions that was sent in to me, entries in some junior tournaments have dropped as parents are playing their kids above their age group and as if, and is, if they go down, the UTR is not hit as hard. You're getting 12-year-olds playing in the open age women and getting smashed by somebody 10 years older who is physically much bigger and stronger. This just dilutes the competition. It's not enjoyable to watch. So this was the response from uh, Lawrence and Tennis Australia uh, to that question. The changes made to playing competitive tennis in Australia were done so to ensure a better playing experience for everyone involved. Whilst we acknowledge that there has been a drop in entries across tournaments, there's also been an increase in competitive playing opportunities and we are continuing to work with member associations, event deliverers, clubs and coaches on how best to ensure players are entering events best suited to their level. Ongoing education is key 
And as such, we recognise the important role that parents and coaches have to play in ensuring players are being entered into events supportive of a player's development. Players looking to improve their UTR should be encouraged to commit to competing consistently at their level as well as educated on the benefits in playing down as well as up. The notion that the only way to improve your rating is to play up is simply incorrect. And we would certainly not encourage any 12-year-old player to enter open events as their development is better served playing in their age and level. To this point, over the past six months, we've been monitoring the data of players who have improved their UTR. And what we've found are three key themes. The players commit to compete regardless of their opponent and have all played above and below their rating. The players compete regularly, plus 50 matches per annum. And the players' win-loss ratio is between 65 to 75%, which means they are winning more than they are losing. So that's just one response that's come back from TA. You can always send your correspondence to us, long form, the first serve, sen at gmail.com, right throughout the course of the week. And we'll pick those. And you can always get in contact with us on the show, 0433 98 or 1300 736 736. So I'll come back with a few more responses. We're going to go inside the National Tennis Centre and a few other little bits to come here on the first serve. Better solar, better batteries, better energy. With V-Solar, you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a V-Solar advisor. Visit V.Solar to learn more. GLG Greenlife Group, leaders in property services and open space management. At glgcorp.com, the first serve, your home of tennis. Always racing through a Monday night, one 736 736 Brett Phillips in the chair. If you do miss us live every Monday, you can catch up, of course, on the podcast uh, thefirstserve.com.au or subscribe via your preferred podcaster platform. I'll come back to a couple of UTR responses very shortly. Just one on the text. This parent is right on. Try being a coach, having discussions with parents about the development of their child with UTR always at the fore. So as always on this show, we are getting all views and there are plenty of different views, whether it's inside the governing body or outside. But I was invited down to the National Tennis Centre on Friday uh, here in Melbourne, uh, right next door to John Kane Arena, where a four-day camp was being run. First of all, let's uh, have a listen to uh, Paul Vassalo, Tennis Australia Director of Talent. We have a um, 11s camp on this week, so it's 11s national camp. The theme of the camp is know your tennis, know the level. So we want kids here to come together. We have eight boys and eight girls from around the country. We have 11 private coaches that are with them as well that have come down to support their players and, and, and see the level as well, do some coach PD and, and be amongst it. So we have the kids come down. It's a four-day camp. They're doing everything from technical analysis with their coach. They're on court doing uh, on court now doing some S&C work and learning how to stretch and, and how to warm themselves up properly before they play a match and how to cool down. So it's not just forehands and back. Backhands. It's a bit of education in all areas. There's, there's been a trip to the Melbourne Storm. We're going to watch the footy tonight, Collingwood and, and, and the Bulldogs to give extra experiences. There's been some wellbeing sessions just to make sure with parents as well there's been some parent education that at this age and as you get older, it's not all just forehands and backhands. There's, there's looking after yourself off court both physically, mentally and, and being a good person, not just being a good tennis player. So know the level, know your tennis, that's our theme. Seeing them compete as well. They get to play some matches on Sunday to round out our camp. Hopefully beyond that, then we get to see them all at the 11s teams event on the Gold Coast. So it's bit of a, a kickstart into that really. And how many opportunities would there to be to come here to the NTC and do this for this age group throughout a, a typical year? So the Victorian kids would be here on a, on a weekly basis as a part of their NDS squads but for the other kids from other states yeah, this is completely unique. Yeah. It's No one at this age or probably any age is able to go to a Grand Slam venue around the world and train as a part of the camp so very unique that we get to provide this in, in Australia and it's great. You see kids walk in for the first time there's excitement on their faces you don't have to talk to them you see it they're excited to be here and the effort level is is exceptional. 
they walk in here and there's other kids around they're making new friends and it's it's on straight away so it's been a really good start just take us inside you know coming off the back of covid i suppose it was a chance for everyone here in australian tennis to just sort of reset you know look at the programs you were running look at you know the teaching methods coaching there's been a coach review there's been the performance review you know, obviously a couple of years ago in what we're trying to develop here with our young australian prospects let's call them prospects because it is a brutal game who knows what the path ahead is and we want to see more Aussies obviously come through the system but just take us inside some of the the planning and the, the key focuses. Yeah, so with this one it is. We, we've had the two years where we didn't do a, a whole lot. We've only had two national events in, in the past what, three years now, I think, with the, with the two clay courts in Canberra. So this for us is also a chance to get these kids together. As I said, top eight on the UTR at the moment in the country for their birth year. A bit of benchmarking really too amongst the better kids from each of the states to see where they're at. If we get to see more of them when they're 11 and 10, we hope to provide better opportunities when they're 12 and 13, understand where they're at right now, what is required for them to excel as they go into the back end of the 12s and then ITS hopefully 13, 14. If we can get onto this earlier and nationally with, with private coach involved, as I said there's 11 of the 16 here with them today. The, the purpose of this is, is again, if we can see the level, the, the other kids can see the level, be inspired and take something away from it and we will revisit again later in the year. It will be ongoing. We, we look to do more of these. There was a couple of camps earlier in the year in Sydney for the you know Junior Davis Cup when you, the kids come together, everyone's the best in their club and everyone's the best in their state. When you get all the best from around the country, hopefully we can start to uh, develop further and then get international. So Paul mentioned 11 of the uh, private coaches were part of that camp. So one of those, uh, Alan Jones, former Australian pro player who's based uh, in Canberra. Been working with uh, Isabel Cairns for the last year and a half. She's one of our up-and-coming juniors in the ACT. This is her first time down in, in Melbourne for tennis, so it's a great little opportunity for her to come down here and to meet new people and get this kind of exposure to tennis. Really pumped to be here and had a, had a good first day. A big part of the performance review the last couple of years was to keep that private coach you know, closer to the whole setup, particularly for a player that's got some talent who's obviously going to be, become part of the sort of Tennis Australia program, but also keeping that strong link to the the private coach yeah it's it's been great to to come down here with, with the player you know i used to work for tennis australia for a number of years and i've been back uh, private coaching for a couple of years now so it's great for them to invite us down here and have solid three or four days together with with other coaches and just for us as well just to see the other kids as well and spend a bit of time with that one player as well so give her plenty of time so it's been really good What's just your, your general observations of our, our young talent? I mean, as you know, this is a global, pretty brutal sport to make it. The definition of success, we often talk about it on our show, how do we define success? There are more countries playing than ever before. The, the competition is deep. We're trying to produce you know, the next lot of players that could potentially have a crack without putting too much pressure on them. Yeah. But how do you just sort of see the, the state of play? I think it's good. I've been doing this for many years, seeing the young talent come through. I think it's the one good thing is that we, we're getting here early. A lot of these boys and girls are 10 so we're getting down here quite early, getting this exposure early. We'll walk away now as private coaches with some new information as well about our players and which which direction they're heading and how they're tracking and things like that so the talent is good. It's always, it's always strong here in, in Australia so but you're right, we are up against, we are international sport, it's very tough, but it's it's on the private coaches now to really try and get the work done. And just off the back of that, just the evolution of coaching and your own coaching methods and how you've evolved as a coach and what you think you need to impart on these young players to actually have any opportunity to progress up the tennis tree. For me, it's at, at this age group now, it's, it's a big focus right now, it's on the technical development of the players, give them a window up until around 12, of really trying to get stuck in, and then from that point on it's more game-based sort of coaching. 
in this early stage, it's big, big for me. My philosophy is, is just really work hard and, and, and try to set them up for the future. Is there anything, just as a you know, tennis lover, observer, having travelled the world playing tennis, is there anything that a lot of players can just look technically quite sound? If you're just watching a tennis match and you would maybe notice some of the little subtleties more than probably I would, but in terms of our teachings and how we go about it compared to the rest of the world? Everyone's a little bit different how they do things in each country. You look at somewhere like Spain, they don't focus as much on the technical development. They're a bit more competition-based, tough drills, that kind of mentality. But I think personally, I think it's extremely important to try and, in any sport, to try and get that technical development in early and then really start to focus more on on the game-based stuff after that. So former player... Turn coach, Alan Jones. He mentioned he was coaching young Isabel Cairn. She's just 11 years of age, and I did have a chat with her on Friday as well. It's going to be a good experience, and it already has been. It's been really fun, and being able to train with all the players that are better than me, but it's good for all of us to come together finally. Growing up, obviously young people you know, sometimes play all different types of sports, but what led you to tennis? My mum put me in a tennis lesson once <laughs> and uh, when I was five years old, and I just told her I really enjoyed it, and I just couldn't stop doing it, and I loved it so much. Tell us about back home. What is a typical week for you look like and the amount of tennis that you're playing training and all the behind the scenes go to school during the day but after school I either have tennis or basketball for at least two to three hours so it's a pretty busy day and a pretty busy week so I got to get all the extra hours of sleep in what's your aims I mean obviously you love the sport which is the most important thing and so young so there's a a lot of lot of time to you know work out where you want to go but what do you sort of look at in terms of potentially a career in tennis in a few years time I'm looking to go to the Olympics at 2032 for Australia but also to do in the disability Olympics because I have cochlear implants and that makes me work even more harder and I just like I don't really think of that as a disability I just think of it I'm normal as everyone else I can do tennis I can do everything but that's what I'm most looking forward to in 10 years time. Yeah beautiful that's something to aim for so I've just been watching you have a bit of a hit tell us uh, for the people listening in tell us a bit about your game and you, what you think your strengths are and what yeah. what are you you're working on a particular stroke or a particular part of your game more than any other part well my strongest shots probably my forehand and my serve they're very like aggressive and I can just smack it and it'll go in my backhand is something that I'm definitely working on it's one of my weaknesses but my coach Alan he's just helping me with the technique side of things and everything my volleys they're fine now I just need to work on everything and then I should be good do you watch a bit of tennis I imagine you do and who do you love watching well as we saw Ash Barty quit tennis she was one of my favorite players because she was a good person but also great on the court I like watching Victoria Azarenka. She's a very good player, very aggressive, and that's who I want to become someday. One hell of a competitor. You've got to be able to compete, don't you? Yep, that's for sure. Great to meet you. We're going to uh, jot your name down and and follow you with interest. Good luck. Thank you. What a delight. Isabel uh, Cairns, how well-spoken for an 11-year-old and... uh, she would have clean bowled me, if I can use a cricket analogy, uh, with those back ends. Uh, they were just being ripped, and uh, the forehand was pretty good. So, uh, no, one player will keep an eye on amongst uh, so many uh, down there at the National Tennis Centre. So it was great to go and have a look uh, behind the scenes. I can tell you, Mark Polmans and Alex Bott were in the gym. They're trying to get back on the tour soon. They were uh, sweating up a storm, trying to get their uh, fitness back, and hopefully they'll head back on the tour soon. Uh, Yarra Tennis Coaching, Eaglemont Tennis Club is just off the Eastern Freeway. Beautiful setting, Shane Scrutton over 30 years in the game. If you're a beginner, if you're not too bad, he just wants to improve your game. It's as simple as that. 
go and check him out, yarratennis.com.au. We'll take a break and we'll uh, tidy up next. Better solar, better batteries, better energy. With V-Solar, you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a V-Solar advisor. Visit v.solar to learn more. GLG Greenlight Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. Well, we're simply going to run out of time to get all uh, the UTR response back from TA. So what we'll do is we'll put all that up on our website, thefirstserve.com.au. We'll share that on our socials, the response from TA to your questions that were left over from last week because we're going to simply run out of time. Jane Herdlicker is the president of Tennis Australia. She's also the CEO of Virgin Australia. As I've mentioned a number of times on this show, we uh, we cannot secure Jane for an interview, despite uh, many requests, she doesn't see that as her role in tennis, is what I have been told. Now, there are low-profile presidents, chairs in sport, but they do, you know, pop their head up. Um, and they're not totally invisible. But, uh, boy, does the Financial Review critique her pretty hard as a high-profile businesswoman in this country. As recent as May 11, Virgin Chief Hurdlicker met her match. Virgin announced a bilateral alliance with Qatar Airways. Hurdlicker is negotiating with Qatar's CEO, His Excellency Akbar Al-Bakir. The quote, a cartoonish pair indeed. Neither is famed for working well with others, exuding human sensitivity or being able to read a room. Virgin is currently in the federal court defending a claim of bullying and harassment brought by the chief pilot, Hurdlicker sacked on medical grounds. The article says multiple reports of Virgin's dysfunctional culture, including numerous payouts to bullying complainants, have established that Virgin provides one of the nation's most hostile workplaces. We don't hear from Hayne, uh, Jane Reed Tennis on this program, but if you read the financial review, they go pretty hard on her on a, uh, on a daily, if not uh, week-to-week basis. The other thing I did want to just mention uh, before we go uh, tonight, last Wednesday night, the first serve team actually went down to one paddle at the Docklands uh, to sample paddle tennis, uh, paddle the fastest growing racket sport in the world. It was good fun, damn good workout. I was sore the next day, let me tell you. Some of you listening may have been uh, down there or sampled uh, paddle tennis at this year's Australian Open. There was the court set up at on uh, Grand Slam Oval. Uh, there is often the comparison with uh, pickleball, the fastest growing racket sport in the US, which does look similar at first glance, but paddle has evolved from tennis and pickleball has evolved from uh, badminton. Interestingly, in the US, the great Martina Navratilova is opposing pickleball players for taking over tennis courts. She tweeted, I say if pickleball is that popular, let them build their own courts. Agreeing with Martina, Tennis Club Business Online, which I receive on a week-to-week basis, says we need to fight. They're taking over our courts, especially in the public facility arena. Otherwise, we'll be looking at a significant tennis court deficit in the years to come because of those aggressive pickleball advocacies and local builders looking at land values and maximising profits. Tennis is really caught between a rock and a hard place. So the interesting development with TA and paddle tennis will be one that will follow. We're going to get the boys in from one paddle. As I say, I thought it was a, a great game to play. I think it can certainly coincide or go alongside, I should say, uh, you know, traditional tennis and the clubs out there uh, going about their business on a week-to-week basis. But um, it's an interesting little... Uh, story to uh, certainly follow. Pickleball in the US and uh, paddle uh, the development of that, certainly in Australia. Uh, check out our podcast. There are plenty of them. Where are they now? Aussies only. Uh, great chat with Sarah Stone. So much more. We'll do it next Monday, 8 o'clock. Hit them beautifully this week. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? 
Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi-finals. all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.